millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. When we hear about poltergeists, we get a chill up our spines. They sound so scary. With stories like the Enfield poltergeist and the Black Monk of Pontefract, you wonder how people ever lived through such experiences. After all, these things seem to happen to normal, everyday people living in normal, everyday houses, just like us. And what could be more normal than a lawnmower repair shop with two brothers, John and Fred Matthews, who are going about their business just as they have always done, until one day everything changes. Pete the Poltergeist would become one of the most incredible stories of sustained poltergeist activity in the United Kingdom. These were grown men who were not interested in anything remotely paranormal, so why would they become the target of this activity? Normally, poltergeist episodes reach a climax and dissipate over a short period of time, but not this one. Why was this so different? Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne, and in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we examine the story of Pete the Poltergeist, a noisy ghost whose real identity remains a secret to this day. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hello, Anne. Hi, Renata. Oh, it's been a, a very eventful day today. I've been working with gadgets and technology and I've been learning stuff. Oh, you've been pressing buttons. I have. Oh. I'm in my element. I love to press a button mm. or two and I've had some success mm-hmm. because we've been working on something brand new. Yes, we have. Oh. Uh, yes, we, we've we decided to throw one more podcast out into the world, but we thought we'd just make this one a really relaxed chat. Uh, and We'll talk about things that, uh, like cases that we might be looking into at the Mm -hmm, time, mm -hmm. books that we might be reading. Mm -hmm, Movies that we might be seeing and wanting to really diss. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe, look, quite often we get uh, messages from people asking for advice or worried about various phenomena happening in their house. Yeah, and also, also, also... Interviews. Interviews. Yes, yes, we've just decided that. Yes. So we, we smashed out our first recording last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the time you listen to this podcast, there may actually be two episodes out. Mm-hmm. So what's it called, Renata? Diary of a Ghost Hunter. Do you like it, everyone? Ooh, oh, it's exciting. Yeah, so it's it's not not as much research for us as such because this the True Hauntings podcast takes up 
a fair chunk of our mm. week mm. Uh, trying to turn around a, a podcast every week, sometimes two. Um, so we wanted to do a more relaxed one. So if you've got any ideas or anything you want us to chat about, you send it through and we'll do our best to answer it or to reach out to people to have a chat and uh, see what happens. Yeah, should be fun. Should be. And we are off to New Zealand in two weeks and six days, not that I'm counting. By the mm-hmm. time you guys listen to this, we'll probably be about to leave. Mm-hmm. And so the next podcast you will hear from us will be all about some of the places that we're going to visit and explore in New Zealand. Yeah, and we, New Zealand. Already, we already have one place locked in. Oh, we've got more than one because we're staying at a haunted hotel yes. for three nights. Very exciting. Oh, so yeah. exciting. Oh, no. And Glenn's going to help us with some uh, how to film properly again, so we might get some more episodes up. Oh, and we've we've just watched one of the episodes from our UK trip, and we've been laughing our heads off. I nearly spat my rice out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. It's very, very funny. Yep. Anyway, we can't wait to share that with you guys. But right now, let's get on with the story. Professor David Fontana took a deep breath and opened a side door into the mechanics workshop. He peeked inside, but could see virtually nothing through the murky gloom. Well, here goes, he mumbled as he stepped into the workshop. An icy chill rippled slowly down his spine. He looked up, momentarily startled by what he saw. A small piece of engine casting appeared to be levitating a few feet in front of his nose. It tilted slightly to the side and then flew directly towards him. He ducked aside as it whizzed past his head and smashed into the wall behind him. There you are, said John Matthews, the workshop owner. He's welcoming you. As their eyes adjusted to the gloom, it was obvious that Pete, as the poltergeist had been affectionately dubbed, had been up to his tricks again. The floor was littered with small stones and coins. The normally well-organised shelves had been piled high with randomly selected engine parts, boxes of stationery and bits of paper. A child's teddy bear lay in the corner. Watch this, said John as he gently threw a small stone into a corner. Moments later, the stone came flying back at him. It hadn't bounced. It seemed to disappear into the wall and then rematerialize in mid-air as it flew back at them. And this, said John as he tossed a penny into the corner. Two pence piece came flying back. Over the following two years... The poltergeist was exhaustively investigated by Professor David Fontana, a fellow of the British Psychological Society. He became convinced that the so-called Cardiff poltergeist case was a genuine haunting. Right, so let's go to the beginning of this one. A very good place to start. And I'm going to, as usual, tell you the stories that appeared in the newspapers and on the internet and uh, any of the other stories that were associated with this. I had never heard of Pete the Poltergeist. No, neither have I. And uh, it's a doozy of a story. And it's reasonably recent as well. Yes, it's reasonably recent. Well, for us old ducks, it's reasonably recent. It shows a a different type of poltergeist activity. And this went on for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. The problem is that some of the things that I was reading not only gave me different names, but it gave me different, like, years or amounts of time that this was happening. So I I got a little bit discombobulated. And then in one um, thing that I was reading, it said that the name of one person was changed to hide his identity. Oh, fair enough. But he was the brother of the other person. That makes it very hard to (laughs) hide their identity. You kind of go, really? (laughs) So, look, please excuse me if, if I seem to wander um, with this a little bit back and forth. It's because, not her dementia. It's okay. No, it's, it's just, it's because, yeah, that's kind of how this whole story went. The, the gist of it is the same. Um, it's just a few little details are a little bit different. And uh, this sort of um, starts off 
in a place you would not expect it to, in a men's domain, in a workshop, round the back, um, and it is a um, mower repair centre, a yep. lawn mower repair centre uh, called Mower Services, and it's in Cardiff at Wales. And this is in the 1980s. I thought so, it was 1990s. Well, see, there you go. There you go That's already. <laughs> <laughs> so around the 1880s, say, so 1980s, 1990s. So we're saying it's relatively recent. You know that anyone born in 1990 is now 30. Yeah. And 1880s, uh, 18, 1980s, they're 40. Yes, I know. It doesn't seem that long ago, Renata. No, it doesn't. I remember when. <laughs> uh, yes. So it's, it's one of those places where you don't think a poltergeist is going to turn up. But when we hear about poltergeist stories, normally they are associated with normal people, just your average Joe. Yeah. No one special, no one in particular. I'm sure their mother thought they were special, Renata. (laughs) (laughs) No special place. It's not a a majestic castle sitting on a hill. It's not even like a spooky location. No, no. it's a freaking lawnmower repair centre. It's a tin shed. Yep, tin shed out the back. And we also think about poltergeists as these noisy ghosts. So noisy ghosts that move things, yeah, or throw things or whatever, which is true to this particular story. The difference is that this seemingly lasted for a really long time. And um, it, it kind of didn't, didn't dissipate over time. It grew and then really stabilised for many years, allegedly, through mm, through yeah. the story that we hear. So we go to this shop and the, the gentlemen that work there, there's about three of them that work in this shop um, and they're working away. No difference. Every day, same sort of thing. And one particular day they hear what they think is stones being thrown onto the roof. Now, this is not a one-off. This has happened before, but it's the local kids that are doing it and they'll occasionally, you know, run around the back and throw a stone and have a bit of a joke and laugh. And, and, you know, up till this point in time, the owners would have come out and given them a stern word and gone, behave yourselves and get lost. Bugger off. Bugger off. Don't be so (laughs) stupid. We've got work to do. But this time when um, John, one of the brothers, went out to see what was going on, he found nobody around there. Now, you know, it's an old shed out the back. There's fences and things. The kids could have hidden. He didn't make too much of it. Yeah. Um, But this was kind of the beginning. And over the next few days, this whole rock thing just continued and they'd occasionally hear a rock being pelted on the roof and the corrugated iron the tin, metal roof, whatever it was. And, uh, yeah, every time they'd go out and and have a look and every time they saw nothing. Yeah. Okay, so that was a little bit weird. Now, also, Ian, another person um, working in the workshop, noticed one time that some of the um, wrenches and things that they have hanging around there to sort Mm -hmm. of to reach up and to work with the lawnmowers and everything – was swinging on its own. Ooh. And he was noted to say that there's, you know, the doors were shut. There was no wind or anything coming through. So I don't know why this thing was swinging. And he reached out for it and he stopped it. And literally the moment he stopped it and stood away, it started to swing again. And he thought, now that's a bit weird. And he sort of told the others what was going on. And they would scratch their heads and go, well, jeez, I don't bloody know what's going on. This is a bit ridiculous. And remember, we're talking with men here who, like I said, have got nothing, not even a skerrick of interest in the paranormal, nothing. Now, at that point, just to scare them even further, a wrench came flying off the counter and went straight past them and tumbled onto the floor. That now, would freak you out. Now this, this, yeah, this kind of freaked them out. Yeah, and um, annoyed them. And you know, these things happened 
sporadically during the day, right? So, you know, that might happen and that might be the only thing that happened that day. But the next day they would come in and more rocks would be thrown, but this time they'd be thrown inside. Yeah. And they'd be thrown across the floor and it seemed to come from one particular area of the garage or the workshop. And um, they'd kind of, again, scratch their heads and go, what the hell is going on? Is someone come into this place and is hiding in a corner and throwing rocks just to play games and they'd go and check and of course nobody was there um and so at one point in time when one of these rocks came across one of the gentlemen picked up the rock and threw it back (laughs) as you do take that you sucker yeah take that you idiot and get out of here only to find that the rock would come flying back again now that's cool that's really cool that is really cool yeah and so this then started to be a little bit of a game. And they'd throw one rock and another rock would come back and then they'd throw that back and another one would come back. And then they started to notice that it wasn't only rocks that were being thrown, it was little items from the shelves in the workshop. So little um, oh, nuts and bolts and things yep. would be thrown. Spark plugs. Yep. And then they'd throw them back. Yep. And then they'd throw them again. Uh, And, you know, nine times out of ten, something would come flying back. And they could play this game for about 10 or 15 minutes. They'd get bored with it. Whatever else was in that corner (laughs) would get bored with it again. Or it would um, use up all its energy and that would be it. Yep. Now, these brothers, one of them particularly... Um, Fred said, look, one of you is pulling my leg. One of you guys are doing it. This, yeah. this is ridiculous. It has to be a prank. Come on, it has to be a prank. So let's let's get this over and done with. We are all going to come up to this workbench. We're going to all put our hands flat on this workbench and we're going to touch fingers like, you know... Um, a seance parlour. Thumb, thumb to, to pinky yep. all across. Well, it is sort of so like that, a seance. You do that in a seance. Yeah. You have your feet touching the people mm-hmm. next to you, so your left foot's touching the, uh, the outside of your left foot to the right outside of the person next to you and your hands are holding hands. Yeah. But this was to make sure that no one was touching or pushing anything. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And, of course, they go, okay, we're waiting. Show us what you can do. Because if it was one of them, they would have had to manipulate something at that point in time. But they're all standing there and, okay, clunk, something goes flying. And they look at each other and go, oh, damn. Yeah, sometimes there would have been a bit of a relief, I guess, if one of them was doing the prank, but none of them were. Yeah, and one of them actually requested a specific item. They said, all right, well, can you throw me a plug? Mm -hmm. And a plug landed on the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's very intelligent. Yes, yes. So they all knew at that point in time that, you know, none of them were doing it. Um, They didn't particularly feel that whatever this was, was nefarious, um, it was going to do any harm or anything. They kind of thought it was pretty playful and a bit of a joke, really. Uh, They did swear that they wouldn't say anything to anyone about it, really. But then all the friends started to find out. And of course, they wanted to come in to see it. And so you have a poltergeist event happening where there are many people observing what is going on yeah many people observing so this goes on for a few weeks and uh they decide to give this entity a name they call it pete pete the poltergeist i don't know whether they actually called it poltergeist i probably think they they just said pete and oh they actually called it pete the polt pete the polt pete the polt Mm -hmm. And uh, it also escalated, this this um, whole energy thing escalated again. So uh, then what would happen would be that things would disappear uh, and then they would reappear randomly elsewhere. Um, the men started to ask for particular things and say, you know, things like, yeah, give us that spark plug. Yeah, and it'd fall on the on the desk. Yeah, and then I think they asked for money too. Yes, yes, that that comes in in a minute. Oh, sorry, I got um, very excited about money. They they kind of 
it, it seemed to only happen in the workshop for a short period of time. But then what John found happening, John was um, you know, one of the brothers, that when he went home, Pete must have gone home with him. Oh. Because one day he was sitting and said to his wife, could you just get me a banana, please? And the next minute a banana falls in his lap. And he looks at his wife and his wife looks at him and they go, what the hell was that? And oh, no, it must be Pete. He must be in the house. <laughs> oh, my God. And um, he asked for a fork and a fork literally slid along the floor to his feet. That could, worked for you tonight too. You pick that up. Yeah, I asked for a fork. You asked for a fork and I gave you one. <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing was that... Um, Pete the Polt liked to play in the house with some of the children's toys, except that at times he got a little bit violent and he would rip the toys apart. Oops. I don't think he meant to. Which was a little bit of a no-no. Um, and yeah, John got a little bit upset with that. Um, also, Pete, for some odd reason, happened to hate oranges. And every time the family brought home oranges from the shop to eat, he would throw them out the window and they would find they would find them in the yard. Didn't we have a private case not long ago where they took a dislike to some fruit? There was the family with the Labrador dogs mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and there was really interesting stuff that was going on there. There was water puddles appearing on the floor yep. and all sorts of things. And I remember distinctly there was something about, I think it was oranges. Mm. Oh. It was oranges or apples. That would be interesting. Yes. Maybe Pete's taken a plane ride and come over to Australia. That's it. So they really realised that whatever this entity was, Pete, he was quite intelligent. Yeah. Very, very intelligent. And interactive. And very interactive. Now, one day, um, one of the men actually spotted this particular entity yes and he saw this little child um up on a bench yes it was um i believe they were working together on the bench and he's looked up and it was sort of like on shelving yeah which is really really weird yeah he could describe it mm -hmm. he said it was a little boy mm -hmm. um as i read other notes it sort of gave more information so mm -hmm. in one bit it said it's a little boy um tatty clothes that's about it. A uh, picky binders cap. Yeah, that was a, another um, article that said this boy was about 12 with oh, a little I cap he was on. younger than that, but yeah, go on. Yeah. I, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was another article that said the boy had no face. Yes, I read that in a few as well. Mm. It was They said it was like his face was there. But you couldn't see but it. But you couldn't see it. Yeah, you couldn't make out what it was. And the entity would only show himself to this one person. Yes. And uh, guess who it was? It was John. No, I thought it, it was, was Fred. Oh, Fred? I, I'm sure it was Fred. Oh, so I could this, be wrong. This is where the names get all, all right, funny. We'll, we'll do a quick check. Uh, you are correct. It was Fred. It wasn't gaslighting you this time. Yeah, it was Fred. It was Fred. It was <laughs> my mistake. Uh, like I said, all these all these names, Fred, John and Ian and yeah, whatever, it get, just seemed, get a bit muddled up. But it did seem to centre around Fred. Fred. Mm -hmm. More than anyone else. Mm-hmm. Now, after that, that's this is where the money sort of came in. He would actually uh, ask, he, he got smart, and they said, oh, give us some money. Come on, you can give us some money. Is this where you got your thing about asking for $20 from? Um, no, I, <laughs> I started that earlier on. But it's it's funny that they were doing this. And the, the, um, the poltergeist didn't drop big amounts of money it would pay, it would be pennies but there there was at times a consistency where they could have multiple amounts of pennies dropped as occasionally there would be a pound coin yep. but in most cases there were like very very small amounts of pennies that yeah I, I did see a uh, like a pound note of some of some form or other that was there but I don't know if that was just stock footage that they've put in saying the Polt was dropping Money. I don't know if it really was like notes or just the coins, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I don't want to cross over with what you have to say, so I'm going to finish up very, very soon. 
I read in one of the stories that they got very concerned about the fact that this this whole poltergeist thing, as, as the news sort of exploded, they were worried that they were going to lose customers and that the yeah. customers would get scared coming in to the shop and that Pete might start to interfere with the customers when they were in there, yeah. yet again, scaring them. Uh, and so they were kind of really looking around for somewhere else to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, they – did you get the story about the, the seance that they had? They had a seance? Well, I thought the seance was where they all stood – there was another no, seance. No, it was a seance. They had, oh. they had a specific seance. Oh, please tell us. Uh, and, that well, this is a thing that all I got really uh, from it, reading it, was that there was a seance. I tried to look for what was going on mm-hmm. in the seance, uh, but there's no information about that. Nope. And uh, also that there was um, a, a, a medium that came in. And told yes, them I some did get that, that story as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it kind of ends for me. Uh, they did bring in this fellow that you're going to get talk about mm-hmm. um, from the university to try and work out what happened and what all this was about. He apparently got just as much interaction as they did. Mm-hmm. He was astounded that he could witness all of this stuff. So he was very excited about it all. Uh, eventually, they um, moved from the shop. They closed it down. They moved from the shop. Um, and apparently, it didn't go into the next place that no, they it had. Didn't. But no. it did follow one of them home. It went back to Fred's house. And stayed there for a while. Yep. And apparently, Fred and his wife kind of made Pete a member of the family. Almost, yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux. XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I've got a bit of information on that too. Yeah. Um, but it, it did say in one of the notes that I, I found there, it said, uh, it seems that Pete became absolutely obsessed with Fred, following him around everywhere and focusing most of the phenomena around him. 
So even when the shop moved to another area, it stayed behind to be in Fred's house. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. didn't stay in the mower shop. No, no. So it's obviously attached to a person. Mm. And guess who? Fred. Yeah. Now, what was happening in Fred's life for that to happen? I don't know. It was really hard to find any information about the families. Um, now, they did. They Like it says here in my notes that they consulted a medium um, and that's when Pete, the poltergeist, finally gave up and went away. Yes, I have the reason how they got rid of him too. Oh, I didn't find that. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm going to finish up. So we've got this story that can, um, and this is this is how weird these dates are. Anything from seven to fourteen years, depending on what story you read, yeah. is how long this all went on for. And he was investigated by this guy for two years, exhaustively, apparently. Oh, I've got more than two years. Yeah, well, I think it was like five years or something, which I thought was extraordinary for something to be going on for that long. So I'm going to leave my bit there, mm-hmm. and uh, let's now go to your bit. Right. So you told me that I had to pick it up. From when uh, the professor, the yes. university professor David Fontana, yes, came onto the scene. Yes. So they reached out to him yeah. to come and investigate and try and work out what's what was happening. Now, he was part of the Psychological Society and also Psychical Research. Mm-hmm. So he had an interest in this area. So he would have been a um, parapsychologist. Mm-hmm. Well, we just had to pause the recording there because the people next door decided now is the time to use the blower vac down the, the hallway and it was um, at six o'clock at night. So, yeah, not happy, Jan. Uh, but look, let's let's get into this. What were we talking about? I can't remember. We had to pause for so long. Um Dave Fontana, I said, yes, it's right, first parapsychological investigator. Well, not first, but he, he would have been a parapsychological investigator. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the things that they did mention with uh, David is that he would turn up unannounced. So they didn't have any chance to prepare anything. He yes. would just rock up, which yes. I really liked. Yeah. And then as soon as he, he entered the workshop, the phenomena would start. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty consistent for what was happening. Uh, they, one of the things they said is they don't see things um, in midair. They sort of just see it as it lands. But then there was other comments where people said they were watching it move in the air in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm confused which one it was. Is Were they seeing it or were they not seeing it? Uh they, they said that they could hear the clatter and that's when they, they know to turn and look because they'd hear the clatter. Now, once uh, David Fontaine turned up, of course, the media started getting wind of it. Now, you wonder, was it him that's leaked it to the media or is it just the people in the shop? Because the people are coming into the shop and they're starting to see the phenomena as well. Mm-hmm. So how did the media get hold of it? But it's a good story. Yeah. And we've read many of those fabulous stories from those UK newspapers on Spooky Sundays. <laughs> uh, so the, this is when they were worried at the lawnmower shop that this would cause the customers to run. But yes. it had exactly the opposite effect. People started to turn up to try and catch the phenomena. Oh, wouldn't you? Yes, I'd be there. All the ghost hunters in a, a hundred kilometre radius would be there. <laughs> yeah. So um, in actual fact, the reason why they had to move shop was because they outgrew it. Ah. Their business got so big that they had to move. I wonder what happened when they moved and the Polt did not follow them. They even had, um, they said that the bizarre goings-on were witnessed by customers, two priests from a nearby church, and an insurance assessor. <laughs> Who apparently just got just as much uh, activity yeah. as everybody else. Yeah. He was um, a bit stumped going, how, how do I assess this? Yeah. Well, it, he wasn't there for that. There was um, some vandals that had caused some damage to the property. So mm-hmm. um, while he was there, they said, so what would happen if one of our customers got hit by something flying? And he's sort of like, what? <laughs> but he uh, his comment was, when I was there, I heard the stones all noises coming from the back of the shop when I asked them what it was all about they said oh that's Pete the poltergeist I didn't really believe them so I opened the door and looked through 
I could see a stone whizzing around on the floor and there was nobody else there. Mm. So he was the one that saw the stone moving. They reckon even the hardcore sceptics are baffled by this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. So I, I found lots of forums with people <laughs> discussing it. And uh, I think there's quite a few cynics there as well. Uh, but the one thing that they did notice about this particular poltergeist is that it was very friendly. Yes. It, it was. Um, it didn't hurt people. It wasn't like picking up knives and throwing at people. Uh, it... Uh, was happy to work with the people that are there. Um, it's almost like banter, mm-hmm. a little bit like bantering with someone. Uh, but the the obsession was there with Fred. Now, I did have one of my little um, descriptions of what the boy looked like. So okay. uh, a little boy dressed in 1940s clothes, no figure or face. You could see the outline. He sort of had a cub cap on his head. And you could see the outline of his hands, his face, and yet you couldn't put a face to him. You can imagine he was all grey. No face, but the face was there. It's hard to explain, but he was sat on sort of a fixture where we keep spare parts for the lawnmowers. Now, he looked out of proportion to me. His body compared to his size, his head should have been in the ceiling. It's hard to explain, but he looked really out of proportion. Now, this happened several times. I should say four, five times that I have seen Pete the Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So that was a very good description of of what he looked like. Uh, now, where did all of that come from? I normally write down where I got all the information from, but of course now I can't find it. Now, this one came from a blog post, Have Scientists Found Proof That Ghosts Exist? And that's where I got that um, soundscape Mm -hmm. from that I read out at the start. Uh, And that was by johnzanderpopolis.com. Now, we get down to here. Now, it was also referred to as the Cardiff Poltergeist case, mm-hmm. not just Pete the Poltergeist. Um, and there was another one as well. I was hoping I could find it, but I couldn't find it. Uh, now, oh, I've got notes everywhere. I've got pages and I've got handwritten notes. Um, they they said that this person investigated him for two years. Now, uh, for me, if they had investigated this exhaustively for two years, there must be lots of notes and books and things like that. And I did. I found that there was uh, some reports and studies done, and then I went to go and find them. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to get your hands on those? <laughs> there was one that was in a um, – because it was done through universities and psych ecological yes. society. So yes. I actually requested the paper. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you could put in your name yep. and, and request it and said, I'm, I'm doing a, a podcast on this and I'd really like to access the, nothing. Yeah, crickets. I'm mm-hmm. getting so sick of these people. Then we send requests off and mm-hmm. say, look, you know, we'd like this or, um, or we'd like to talk to you about this. We're not demanding. Mm-hmm. We're just asking. And they don't even have the courtesy to respond. Mm-hmm. Yep. Drives me batty. I must be getting old and cranky. That's all I can say. Sounds like it. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Uh, So the family grew so fond of Pete, they adopted him as part of their family, refused to have him exercised or chased away by psychic mediums. Now, you just said something about the religious page. What was that one? Uh, There was a religious page that I found that talked about um, has science actually discovered or finally made a discovery of... um, I think this is what this is, but it wasn't very religious. No, it wasn't, but it had pictures of Jesus and things like that. It did. It It was really bizarre. I think it was because it might have been like uh, a Greek um, thing because this is... John Sandipopoulos, mm-hmm. I think that might have that's been the one. that's the yep. yeah, that's what that that's what that was all about. Uh, now the professor Fontana said there is no malice in him at all. The family felt privileged to be in his presence. They saw him as evidence of an afterlife and changed their whole outlook on life. It was most definitely not a hoax. So, as I said, tried to find papers, tried to find books. Then I happened upon a blog Uh and they had, um, oh, where did I find this? 
the rationalskepticism.org. Oh. <laughs> you can always rely on those skeptics for something good and juicy. <laughs> so they had started a uh, a blog about this particular case and said to everyone, you must be respectful. Yeah, right. Anyway. It was camper mum that was writing a lot of the stuff. She was doing a good job. But they quoted quite a bit of some of the reports from David Fontana. So I found some. I was very excited. But it's basically listing a lot of the phenomena that happened in more detail. So small stones, coins or bolts impacting on the wall or floor and occasionally hitting someone harmlessly, though Jim had discussed possible customer injury with his insurance agent, as Mm -hmm. I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody had seen the projectiles actually thrown from a source, but only as they landed or and less frequently in frequently in midair. A paint scraper, which had gone missing and then suddenly reappeared as hot to touch, as if it had been heated for some minutes with a blow lamp. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting one. Mysterious arrival objects usually dropped onto the floor, for example, a pen, which fell beside Jim when he had spoken of writing down the incidents, followed by a piece of headed notepaper, which on investigation turned out to have come by unknown means from the office premises on the floor above. Mm -hmm. Also coins, most of which appeared to originate from a collection of pennies and half pennies kept in the office. When Paul had asked out loud for a sovereign, a jubilee crown had dropped beside him, which appeared to have come from Jim and Anne's house out of their drawer. From their collection. So this was a thieving little poltergeist that wasn't yes. taking it from anywhere else. It was taking it from them and delivering it back to them. Yeah, so he wasn't, he was apporting things. He was moving, uh, uh, bilocating, moving it from one place to another, mm-hmm. not creating these. Because mm-hmm. I remember we've been to a lot of seances where uh, our ports are arriving and they, they always say that these aren't created, but they have come from a different era, different time. So your gain is someone else's loss. Mm-hmm. Is basically how it works. I'm just, I'm just going I'm to pretty put sure in... that some of those came from AliExpress. Yeah, but that's okay. We just, <laughs> just wanted to... We got the yeah, poos because to... we never got the good stuff. <laughs> we got the little tiny itty bitty piddly stuff, and and everyone else was getting these massive diamonds and, <laughs> and things. So I still want to go to a a jeweler and face that jeweler when he says. It's real or not. I yeah. still do. Yeah. Anyway. Um, now, I'll, I'll give you some more of the strange things that are going on. Uh, they said there were some strange happenings in the premises upstairs, mm-hmm. which included a diary disappearing from the drawer, drawer and unaccountably found on the roof of a nearby building. Oh, that's weird. That's that's really odd. Uh, there is a persistent strong smell of burning, which that really wouldn't surprise me that much if it was an area where there's lots of workshops and things. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, even working on lawnmowers, you'd have possible yeah, burning vengeance. Fuel, yeah, that fuel smell. Yeah, yeah. Stones thrown at Anne while she was in the toilet at the back of the workshop with the door locked on the inside. <laughs> Gee. That would be a little bit disturbing. It You've got your pants be. around your ankles, you can't run, and there's rocks being thrown at you. I think that would be upset. Now, there's also frequent phone calls to Jim and Anne at their house during the day and night, um, but the line was always dead on answering. British telecom engineers had been asked to check, but had found no fault to account for this. Right. I didn't read that anywhere in my notes. No. So this is David Fontana's notes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Planks of wood thrown violently into the workshop, originating apparently in the yard outside, when Jim said to Anne, all we need now are some planks of wood. So once again, he's asked for something, even jokingly, and it's happened. Be careful what you wish for, people. (laughs) No. If you keep saying to yourselves, oh, I get all the bad luck, everything really bad happens to me, well, guess what? You're going to bring it to yourself, so turn it around. Oh, there, it's Auntie Anne's advice for the week. Poor Renata's rubbing her eyes. She's had enough. (laughs) Um, There's a range of incidents too numerous to mention. Uh, Now, this was an interesting find. A cachet of engineering bolts of the kind used in this workshop, which were frequently employed as missiles by Pete, were discovered in the false ceiling uh, formed by the 
polycarbonate tiles in the workshop. Uh, so it was a false ceiling. You know how you, they put those false ceilings in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they found all these bolts and things, which were typical of the stuff that was being thrown. It's like somebody put a little collection up there. That's... That's weird. That's weird. I don't know whether that's a man-made thing mm-hmm. or whether that is a poltergeist thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this Jim's daughter suggested that they look up there. She was a psychiatric nurse. Uh, the bolts were cleared after the discovery, but a similar case was found in the same place when a second exploration was carried out some weeks later at Paul's suggestion. So who was stashing that up there? Stones thrown at the brass shell case. Now, this is where Jim challenged Pete to hit the shell with a stone, a feat almost impossible to carry out by normal means unless one stood only a few feet away. Pete duly obliged on a number of occasions with Jim and his employers on the other side of the workshop. So he was able to hit specific things Mm -hmm. in a small targeted area. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, house drawer, car and cupboard keys arriving mysteriously. They would appear in positions on a workbench, uh, which moments before had been seen clear. The majority of the keys were unknown origin. Now, that's that's a thing with poltergeists. We've had that happen before, haven't we? There's these mysterious keys. keys. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is about keys. Is it because it's the metal? Is it brass? What is it? Don't know. Cuttery arriving mysteriously in the kitchen. For example, although Anne and Yvonne assured me only one teaspoon was normally kept there, three identical ones were found to have arrived overnight. Yeah, sometimes the cutlery was also laid out or set out crudely um, on the table or on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the sceptics, of course, got into all of this and they said that, you know, well, first off, these objects that appear and disappear could just be a jot just one of those things that people think they've put it down that I'm forever putting things down and wandering off and completely forgetting about it. Yeah, but this this is a lot consistently. Yeah, and Do- coins falling out of pockets. I mean, if you put your hands in and out of your pockets all the time, you could be dropping coins. I'm mm. just giving you what the sceptics have yeah. said. Don't give me the evil bloody eye woman. <laughs> God, she's, she's getting ready. I can feel the claws coming out. Um, so... Uh, the other thing that they suggested with the paint scraper, it's not um, unreasonable to hypothesize that somebody actually did take the paint scraper and heated it up with a blowtorch before replacing it. It would be a neat, practical joke. And they would have those gas lights. <laughs> yeah. That's <sighs> a lot of effort over a long period of time. That's what That's I'm saying. If, you know, if someone yep. wants to play a practical joke, eventually they'll kind of go, you know what, it was me. Yeah. Uh, after yeah, a week or two or whatever, like you know, and you've got grown men, grown men, Although, they're not kids. If you were running a good practical joke, and people still hadn't guessed it, couldn't work out what you're doing. No, I wouldn't be bothered. Sorry. I'd be having a ball. No, I'd. Yeah, no. Oh, I'd have a lovely time. No. Uh, but funny you should say that. Anyway, let me keep going. Uh, they did try that with a butter knife just to prove that that could be possible. <laughs> <laughs> Good on them. Uh, could it be that the professor and the victims of this case have got into some sort of... Now, I don't even know how to say this. Uh, F-O-L-I-E. A de. Foil a de. It's not a menage a trois. That's a different... <laughs> I know what that is. Renata taught me that one. <laughs> but basically, it's where both parties are feeding and strengthening each other's delusions. Uh-huh. So... Everything that's happening now is because of Pete. Yeah. Pete the poltergeist. And it makes everyone happy because they're special. Yep. Yep. (sighs) Um, All right. Now, they reckon that the professor went disastrously wrong in his notes and studies. And as I said, I don't have all of these notes and studies Mm -hmm. in that he relies a lot of his information on eyewitness accounts. Now, as we all know, Eyewitness accounts can be very dodgy. Mm-hmm. They wholeheartedly believe they are telling you everything they have seen, mm-hmm. but quite often may miss something because they're viewing it through their perspective, their belief, what they've been brought up by. Yep. So, uh, 
you know, some people would see something move and say this demon. Another person would look at something moving and saying, oh, that's the power of your psychokinetic ability. Somebody else will say there was a mini earthquake and the wind blew it. Mm -hmm. Right. So how you've been brought up is how you would interpret that. Uh, Now, what else he said? He may be right about victims not um, deliberately causing a fraud, but they might be deluding themselves. Oh, but look, I I don't have a huge amount. Now, do you have anything more that I've missed? No. No, because it's really hard to find. There was. A lot of information on it. But the the thing is, what, what was Pete? Was was he a poltergeist? Was he a projection of Fred? Was he a practical joke that somebody has kicked off? Um, they said, you know, it could be one of the unconscious mind of one of the brothers working out some inner turmoil. There was no teenagers present unless they had uh, an apprentice that we haven't heard about. But they did have other people working in the shop. Mm-hmm. Could it have been them? That little cachet of nuts and bolts and things up there is a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another option is is that the, the business wasn't going as great as they'd hoped. It wasn't enough work for all of them. So by spinning a bit of a yarn and a bit of a ghost story, it brought people in. It certainly... Well, I mean, who knows? Yeah. But. Okay, but. But. Okay. I, all right. Hold on. I've got yeah, to... Just, just sit yourself. myself comfortable sit because yourself. you're going to... You're going to burst my bubble. Yeah. I got onto the british-paranormal.co.uk and they've got an article and a blog on the Cardiff Poltergeist Mower Services. And they were talking about the you know, the things that happen and people yep. throwing their two bob on. Oh, I had something like that happen to me. I'm special too. <laughs> uh, but there was one person... <laughs> that got on there by the name of Richard Walker on September 20, 2018 and said, this ghost nonsense, nonsense was just that nonsense. I worked at Mower Services between 83 and 89 and I created Peter the Poltergeist as a joke, me and my colleague Graham. Right. John Matthews and co. were very gullible at the time. It was a joke we couldn't stop because everyone just loved it. So the, the, the people have got on there and said, Hi, Richard, just read your comment. I would love to interview you about the hoax. Are you available to chat? John replied, yes. Yes, it can be can be arranged. Yeah. So I went searching for that interview. I thought, oh, this is it. We've... we've We've cracked it. We've cracked it. Um, there was another, the next day, these, this guy's put in another comment to say, I worked at Mower Services from 1984 to 88, and I can confirm it was a complete hoax perpetrated by me and my colleague, John the Ambulance was his name. Now, he said in the past, the thing before, it was a Graham, not John. So was that the alternate name they used at some stage or other? Mm. But they called him The Ambulance was his nickname. He liked his drink and pranks as I did. Pete the Polt was our creation and we were surrounded by gullible people who wanted to believe. Mm -hmm. Oh, And now it's my phone going off. Sorry, that was the husband. Your husband rang earlier. My husband rang now. So where does that leave us we've got this one person who has said we made it up we worked there i tried to find employee lists who had worked in that shop i can't find anything i don't Mm -hmm. think that sort of stuff can be found terribly easy easily i couldn't find any information on the the character of the people that were involved in the the mower shop Mm um like it wasn't a, a a major business where it would really you know warrant names being written down and and no. you know, all the all of these details. It was just a little mower shop. Yeah. Um, and at first they tried to keep it quiet. They yeah. were amused by it. They weren't. So what about the stuff that was happening in Fred's house? Right. Um. So what happened there was that they had a medium come in and tell them that there was a piece of pottery or something that the poltergeist was attached to. And they said there was some sort of piece of crockery that had come from the shop and was at their house. And what they did is they smashed that. And once they smashed it, 
Pete disappeared. But he was out there with them for some time. But he was starting to get annoying. It was starting to become difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they got rid of him by smashing some pottery. Oh, if it was just that easy. I know. Um, I did read in one article that the uh, workshop stood on what used to be ancient, terraces. A- ancient Indian burial ground? No. No? <laughs> May as well have been. Or poltergeist where they haven't, <laughs> it was an old cemetery and they haven't removed the bodies? Yeah, well, yeah. No, um, no it was some terrace houses um, that were there prior yep. um, that were demolished. And the the land was vacated and the workshop went there, which was obviously behind now other houses that went that made up the estate. There was also a story about a young child that uh, died close by. Yes, they were convinced at one stage that it was the uh, ghost of a young boy that I think was killed in a car accident. Oh, here it is here. Um, they thought it was the seven-year-old child who had been killed by a car next to the haunted workshop. Yes, yes. Yep. So we don't I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied would, either because this, this Richard no character ending. this Richard character there is no other information on him other than he said yes I'll do the interview and um I've not seen the result of that interview. Mm-hmm. There were some journals from the uh, Parapsychological Foundation, which I got onto the Society of Psychical Research, and I found out which journal number it was, and I did a search for it, and I couldn't access them. I'm a member. I've actually paid a lot of money to be a member, and I couldn't access. I was so frustrated with this whole thing. And you know, <laughs> you know who we're going to get onto this. Who? We're going to get Beth onto this. Beth, yeah. Mm. Or Danielle. Or uh, Danielle. Yeah, Danielle's very good at getting onto this sort of stuff. It's, um, Ver- Verhoeven. Yes. She's very good at digging. Danielle, if so, you're listening. Look, this, yeah, <laughs> this, this cannot remain and unsolved. Look, no, and as for Richard Walker, who is he? Is he just someone who is a sceptic and gone, I'm going to fix them all. I'm just going to say I did it. Yeah. And we've got no idea who he is. Mm-hmm. Nobody has said, yes, he did work there at the Moa store. It's one person's word. And they are just as bad as the mediums and psychics who turn up at locations and make up a story because they believe it's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then that becomes legend. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he's just as bad. Yep. Yeah, because he's thrown a a span in the works now. Yes. And uh, he's kind of identified himself as being on the spot. I was there. I worked there. I was an expert. Yes. So this is, this is, um, yeah. I've never reached my climax, Renata. (laughs) There's no happy ending, eh? Didn't peak at all. (laughs) So we can't even say, do you think think this is a real haunting? I don't freaking know. I've got no idea. There is not enough information and we can't access the the stuff that we we want to be able to access and we've tried to access. Yep. It's frustrating. If anyone else has some more information or some of those past journals where that story is, please send it to us because we'd love to do a follow-up on this if we can find some more information. So is this a true haunting? No bloody idea. (laughs) We give up. Um, Well, we we don't don't give up. We don't give up. We will find out eventually, but we'll leave that one with you as an unhappy ending. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we will be back next week and we'll make sure that our next episode brings you full circle so you feel satisfied in the meantime (laughs) in the meantime guys stay spooky see you on the dark side and be frightfully good bye thank you for listening to this episode of true hauntings if you like the show give us a five star rating and leave a review Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.